Responding to an article where schools and staff are making parents pay for books, uh, Jeremy Corbyn had the following to say, Austerity is a political choice, not an economic necessity, and a generation of children are paying the price. Anyone have any reactions to that particular sentiment? That's true. It seems Stating pretty true. obvious, you know, this kind of... Damn, I mean, I, I have a few, but I feel like I feel like someone smarter probably needs to take this on. I feel like he is leaving himself open to an own. You see, this is what this is what we realize. This is why socialism has always failed every single time it's been tried without exception. And this is what James O'Brien points out is that really what Jeremy Corbyn should have said is is paying the price. Damn. Looks like we lost another one, fellas, to author oh, of How damn. to Be Right, James O'Brien. Got him. Owned yeah. by grammar again. Yeah, surely, surely Corbyn will resign now. Surely, have you no shame, sir? I my, okay. So the thing I was saying this earlier, but the thing I love about this is that James O'Brien is trying to own him by correcting his grammar, which in any case is like amazingly dumb. But he's not even right. Like they're just both acceptable English uses. Like you can say a generation is paying the price. You can say a generation are paying the price because it's implying a generation of people. Like no one says the police is coming. Like this is not like that's not how people talk. James O'Brien, you fucking smooth-brained idiot. Like honestly, like the reason he's on LBC is because he is. The person who has like a brain size that most correlates with the kind of people who phone lbc <laughs> that's true uh, james o'brien's idea of radical praxis seems to be changing the politics of britain by condescending to one dartford pensioner at a time dang represent <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to your free TF once again. We're back in the basement uh, that doesn't smell bad this time. The no. new basement, it's got a great record of smelling fine, mm. unlike the old basement, which didn't. Well, no, which genuinely me, had an old... uncapped shit pipe. Yeah, we we old... recently found this out. The old basement was a mix of damp towel, that weird smell that every kind of dude's apartment flat has, and the shit smell from the sewer. This doesn't. This is basically the same thing, but without the shit smell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's better. You can buy that in a candle. Right. Well, the thing also that I think makes sense that we need to bring up is that remember we basically got gaslit by the management. They're like, "No, it's not. You don't. You're not smelling that." And I'm like, "Mate, we're smelling fucking shit. We know what it smells like." They're like, "No, no, that's yeah. just that's just wafting in from the bathroom." You know, but- it's serious when Nate goes British on them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I had to do it to him. And, congrat- <laughs> and congratulations on the owners of our terrible building on becoming Tory ministers. Apparently. The National Landlords Association. Oh, God. Our podcast donates to shelter. That's why they hate us. Yo, so um, we don't donate to shelter. I'm not we don't. Like, we, we don't maybe have any we money. should. No, let's, let's do it later. Let's, let's discuss that. We donate that. to sheltering me, the yeah. actual homeless person <laughs> who buy does the Pat- podcast. By our Patreon, it's Radical Praxis. Yeah. Uh, and you know who else we can all say hello to is we can say hello to James Medway. James, hello. how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, and can I say that the basement does indeed smell quite, quite peachy and delightful. Uh, exactly. I, I was warned about the shit smell earlier, but this is this is mm. good. Wait, who warned what? you about the shit smell? You mentioned the shit smell. Oh, yeah, you yeah, did. did, did yeah. They still didn't manage to put me off. Uh, I was going to. Uh, well, up. I would direct your attention to the flip chart where it says days since the last shit smell incident. <laughs> <laughs> Seventeen. So we're doing good. Uh, so James is uh, until recently was an advisor to John McDonnell, and is now um, working on a book about Corbynomics. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, how to make an economy that works for the many, not the few, to, to coin a phrase. That's my. One sentence elevator pitch for the thing. Oh, interesting. I, I mean, I, I, 
I'm sure. No, hang on. I was gonna say I'm sure it'll work this time. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll work this time. <laughs> for some reason, the term Corbinomics for me just conjures the idea of like uh, Corbin in a sort of like jumpsuit taking an aerobics class. Yeah, that's chapter five. Yeah, <laughs> that's a key part of the revolution. That's, that's quite essential, actually. Oh, yeah, aerobics. Like, I think it's got to be factored into it somewhere. It says that a revolution eats its own, but it needs to also have calor- caloric output so it can stay toned and lean. <laughs> Revolution eats its own ass. The uh, the official trash huge position. Sorry, what? Revolutions in Ouroboros? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, uh, moving swiftly, ever so swiftly on, we have uh, yet again a boatload of content today. Um, I'm just saying, if Jeremy Corbyn is doing an aerobics <laughs> class, he's going to be dressed like this. Yo, can we have that as the uh, album art, please? Of course. Album of art, course, episode course. art, episode art. Yes, of course. Awesome. Hundred percent. <laughs> So, if you were wondering why the episode art for this episode is different, this conversation is why. Yeah. Anyway, so, folks, 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 I, we have to ring the billionaire bell because a new billionaire, it's officially you joined just ring the ring and one of them comes. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like the stewardess button on an airplane. At this, at this very second, Jeff Bezos has jizzed himself. <laughs> Um, so oh, Ky- you meant that way. I think he meant summoning a billionaire, but that works mm, too. Yeah, <laughs> ring ring a bell and just and just ruin Elon Musk's meeting. Let's say I was playing with the syntactic ambiguity. You're not allowed to do that. There's one way to be right, and James O'Brien knows what it is. Deal with it. Mm. He knows what it are. <laughs> I love that. James O'Brien on comedy is certainly a book I would read. I mean, like. I, just before we continue, I feel I feel like what we really need is like James O'Brien because I realize what he's actually done. He's like done Ben Shapiro. Uh, you remember when Ben Shapiro was reviewing rap albums? No. So what we really no. need destroys rapper. Yeah, like that's literally what he called his video. So, ben, so what ben we, Shapiro is Eminem in Eight Mile. What we need, what we need, what we need is James O'Brien um, skewering future on his use of sentences. <laughs> We need, we yeah, need- I am short, <laughs> and I've never fucked your mom. Yeah, that's the thing. James O'Brien's whole thing is like being a very smart liberal, but who can also go beast mode. Like <laughs> that's basically his entire shtick. Because most liberals mm. can't go beast mode because they think it's unseemly to go beast mode. They need someone who is like half li- half liberal, half shock jock. He's basically like um, FBPE Howard Stern, is what I'm trying to say. Does he do beast mode? Is that what it is? When he sort of finds some random caller and, and sort of insults them for yeah. 10 minutes, that, that's oh, beast yeah. mode. Yeah, he's going so, beast. So pun- punching down. Yeah. It's, it's like borderline continue. sicko mode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, James, James, James O'Brien beast mode, but it's time for us to go beast mode on billionaires yet again. Whoa. I bet they're very worried that this, that this, that this podcast is about to go beast. But <laughs> having just all come themselves. <laughs> well, you did ring the damn bell. Okay? Now that's what most vulnerable. Ding, ding, motherfucker. Kylie Jenner's a billionaire now. She's Woo! been declared the youngest, uh, the youngest self-made billionaire. And might I say, yes, fucking queen. <laughs> what Ky- could be bad about this? Oh, uh, we'll find something. Uh, so Kylie Jenner's cosmetics revenue climbed l- 9% last year to an estimated, 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 I hope James O'Brien doesn't hear me, $360 million a year. Um, and that Forbes has estimated that her uh, cosmetics company is now worth at least $900 million, which she owns all of. Add in the cash that she's already pulled in from this profitable business, and the 21-year-old is now a billionaire with an estimated fortune of a billion. She's the youngest ever self-made billionaire, reaching a 10-figure fortune at a younger age than even Mark Zuckerberg, who was 23 when he hit that mark. Yeah. 
I love that Kylie Jenner's only um, a billionaire by the logic of like the discounted cash flow method of valuation, um, which is something a word I'm sure Kylie Jenner has never heard in her entire life. <laughs> I mean, also, I, I love when it, I, I occasionally reminded that you escaped reality at business school briefly. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't do you one of those valuations. I was wondering where that came from. I'm sorry, Milo, but mm. I, I, that, that was quite a quite highfalutin I'm, thing to throw I'm in all of a sudden. secretly a fucking genius. Very secretly. Very secretly. It's like it's so many levels down. It's like turtles, like a hundred down, and then uh-huh. at the bottom is a genius. Yeah. yeah. No, so Milo isn't homeless. This is just a really elaborate CEO brain think exercise. He's got- yeah. That towel, that's decoration. That's to deaden the sound. All of Milo's stuff is in the studio. In no way is that my towel, because I don't have anywhere to live. (laughs) Don't be getting that impression, James. No, no, no. We're playing a far smarter game of chess than that here at Trash Future. It's all about branding. Um, <laughs> right, so um, the business itself is basically a cosmetics business, which, fine, people like cosmetics, it's fine to sell cosmetics. Um, and Jenner founded it in 2015. It employs just seven full-time staff. It is actually almost completely outsourced. Uh, she comes up with the ideas for styles, but the products are made by Seed Beauty, a private label producer, and distributed by others and distributed in storefronts and what have you. And so basically, she's like, what if Wyatt Coke was really successful and did cosmetics? It's also like very Trump. It's very Trumpy, right? Because isn't that the whole like Trump business model? He didn't actually build the hotels. He just licensed his name. Yeah. So and like also whole, inherited a large amount of money. And also that. And also that too. Classic. Yeah. It's, it's um, a good way to be. So it's, yeah. So it's like step one to a success. Like, somebody went to business school. Step one to starting <laughs> a successful business. Have a huge amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it really is like the perfect billionaire story for the Trump era, right? Well, of course. Um, and the thing, the thing that sort of strikes me about this is the extent to which um, the business has been. Well, a couple of things. Number one. Um, to be a self-made billionaire, you can't have inherited the money that's being counted for being a billionaire or a portion of the business that's counted for being a billionaire in that billion. Uh, you have to have built it yourself. And, you know, credit that she more or less did do that. Um, but what I what I, I also notice is that, like, this is the whole it's just it's just a series of outsourcing deals brought in under a single brand name basically her business acumen notwithstanding if you weren't famous extremely famous and thereby able to trade on that fame in order to publicize whatever the product is the people who actually own the product and make the product wouldn't have bothered to get her to basically put her name on it yeah because all the fucking shit libs who all want like beyonce to be president or whatever whatever the fuck it is this week like they try and make this like a women in business thing when it isn't a women in business thing at all they've never met any women in business I don't know anything about fucking business. Like, Kylie Jenner is not in business. Kylie Jenner is just fucking famous, and people basically give her money on a plate to put her face on shit. That's not having a business. Like, I would say exactly the same thing about fucking Mike the Situation Sorrentino if he became a billionaire <laughs> off of being a fucking shithead. Like, well, that fucking guy who goes around punching people when they take him to Nando's, if he suddenly became a billionaire. It's nothing to do with her being a woman at all. Wait, 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 it's wait, to do with her being wait, a fucking wait, 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 odious wait, 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 shit. Who's the guy who, who's the guy who punches so people when they glad. go to Nando's? pretend I knew what that was. Wait, oh, wait. Is, that an, is, that, is that an independent group thing? 
Who's Wait, the guy no, who punches no, no, people no, no, for no. going to Nando's? Yeah, no, 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 you're talking about Andrew Tate. I am talking about Andrew Tate. I am obsessed with this guy for like the weirdest reasons. But his so self-made BMW M6 owner. Absolutely no idea. So he was like he was like a a kickboxing champion, and he's American. He's like one parent was American, one parent is British. He's lived in both countries. He lives here now, and basically he's just like a Trump MAGA alt right guy. Um, and he, he kind of like sells himself as this personality of like this fit dude who like yells at you and tells you you're fat and you look like you're a disgusting piece of shit. Mm. And people like gravitate towards him to just sort of like have him abuse them so that they, like he's like motivational abuse or something. But not, a couple of months ago, he posted a thing on Twitter where he said like, I'm taking out 10,000 pounds in cash. I want to have a good time tonight in London because I hate London and it's a terrible city. That's so show many me, visits show to the cash <laughs> point as well. <laughs> so real commitment. He spent like half an hour outside of Tesco's. He's like, he's like, he's like, show me a good time and I'll pay for everything. But if it's not fun and I don't enjoy myself, then I get to punch you at the end. And someone took him up on it, and it was just like this descent into hell. They just yeah, went, they went, they, they they just went, went to out he- in like fucking Romford or they went, something. No, they like, went to Anando's in Hemel Hempstead, and then went to a series of clubs. The guy just got really high on coke, took them to a weird house party. Then he fell asleep in a bathtub and couldn't find him to punch because everyone had gone. Um, yeah. But you've tried Xenophon's Anabasis. Now read the Catabasis. Well, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 not anyway. I want to talk more about Andrew Tate before we continue, right? Because like it's been on my list that we should we should really feature this guy on the show. The reason why is because I am absolutely fascinated by this guy because like so he you know he lives in Luton so like him and Tommy Robinson right right he, li- he, he, now he, that's he, a night out I would watch he, he, li- he lives in Luton and he says that he lives in Luton because that's where all like the best fight gyms are which according to like fighters that I know and I've spoken to is like that's that's probably not true like you can like fight clubs in the UK are pretty like standard across the board but like if you were going to go to a place like he envisions his life like a Rocky movie where like, you know, where Rocky has to like go to like the Siberian woodlands to, mm-hmm. um, to train so that he, you know, in these very specific conditions so he can beat Ivan Drago. Um, with Andrew Tate, it's like, I need to defeat my phantom enemies by going to Luton um, <laughs> and, tra- and, tra- and training in a basement. He wants um, to beat up a version of Dolph Lundgren that's dressed like, up entirely from Top Man and but, is eating an extra hot chicken burger. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't fight anymore. Now he like runs, now he's like this online celebrity um who's been banned from twitter so he's like made his own thing called the war room where i'm only getting up to speed with this right why right. is he banned from twitter oh because he was like he was harassing people yeah he's um, he's, he's absolutely like he's a, a harasser he's a bad guy he was, he's he, he, was, he was harassing a cartoon <laughs> you hadn't got that so far he was he was harassing a cartoonist who was trying to crowdsource for his John sick Rosenberg. kid yeah to try to crowdsource for his sick kid yeah because it's andrew, not alpha and it's... andrew tate was like oh if you like say these words then i will give you all the money so that you can look after your kid and if you don't say these words then that mean, must mean you're a shit father who doesn't care about if you let kids. me punch your kid in the fucking head right, right. i mean that's, <laughs> and that's, that's also how he sounds he sounds yeah. like that too but like i want to go back because it goes it kind of ties a little bit to the kylie jenner thing which is that i'm so interested to see how this is this is a guy who's basically like now trying to build a lifestyle based on this very weird brand of like ultra masculine right-wing rhetoric um the fact that like he looks slightly more human than like other people in the circles he now just hangs out with paul joseph watson every day he looks like Um, if the lead singer of jamiroquai shaved his head and got ripped right like i want to see him and paul joseph watson in a buddy (laughs) film where, like, <laughs> Paul Joseph Watson gets punched in the mouth and it stays exactly the same size. <laughs> um, so, but why, you know, it's basically this whole idea of like building, like building something based on like personal branding. And isn't that like what the whole like Kylie Jenner thing is about? Anyway, like when, when Kylie Jenner first started her cosmetics company, one of the critiques that was made was that like she was copying Rihanna 
because Rihanna had launched uh, Fenty Beauty, which was like this, this, which is still like this really popular, um, uh, popular uh, uh, cosmetics company, which is designed for like black women and women of color. Um, and Kylie Jenner like launched something that was pretty much an imitation of that. Um, but it was all just literally based on like the Kardashian Jenner brand. Uh, and when we, I don't know enough about this, so we really need someone who like sure. knows more. But like the <laughs> yeah. whole like Kris Jenner um, economy that she's basically built for her kids. Well, she takes ten percent of everything right. they make as well. Right. So like the, the the levels of exploitation. Because if you think about it, wait, hang on a minute. They all kick up to Kris Jenner. Yes, Kris Jenner's got like a Phil Leotardo guy <laughs> going around beating the shit out of guy going, "You kick up to Kris Jenner and no one else." <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's probably true. She probably does have like she probably does have. Someone like that. I'm gonna kick it up to little Kendall. Who's, I just like, love who, who's willing to fly all the way to Luton to like sort out? You some need financial to. You beat. understand everything in terms of like say, late season the, Sopranos. Your perception yeah. of America is based on the Sopranos, and it's not always wrong. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, basically, right. So here's the thing: if we're going to say that um, that she's that this is somehow somehow wrong, then we might accidentally find ourselves agreeing with Piers Morgan, who wrote, "Oh no." Um, <laughs> Who wrote in the Daily Mail, uh, ahem, Kylie said her parents told her that she needed to make her own money, to learn how to save and spend your own money, stuff like that. So young Kylie just worked from the, hard from the age of 15 and bingo, within six years she's a billionaire. What a load of disingenuous bull, and then he asked to rest the rest of it out, because Piers Morgan loves to offend, but he doesn't like to swear. No. Uh, and here's, here's where the, here's the turn is. Kylie Jenner didn't become a billionaire because of her work ethic, and it's preposterous for anyone to say she did. Least of all, Forbes, who should and do know better. She became a billionaire because her sister Kim starred in a sex tape. I, mean, I can't disagree with his analysis. <laughs> Pierce Morgan, is. it seems to me like he hates women more than he hates people who dislike capitalism. And so, like, he's willing to kind of toe that line as long as he can, like, attack women. Uh, I think you're, you're missing the trick here, which is that... She didn't become a, she's not a real self-made billionaire, which assumes that there are self-made billionaires. Like Piers Morgan's uh, old friend, Donald Trump. Uh, you know, this is like, it's mm. striking that it's, 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 it's Kylie Jenner that he goes to rather than Trump, right? And yeah, it's an obvious bloody point to, to make here why Piers Morgan might be doing that. The, the, the biggie with this is that, I mean, like what she's created is, is, is almost the perfect neoliberal company, right? Mm. There, there is like, this entirety of the brand out the front that you use because you've got a whacking great Instagram following, you've got social media presence like through the roof somewhere. That then delivers something that's completely outsourced. You don't actually make anything yourself at all, really, right? It's just mm. a series of deals to stitch the whole thing together, and then you become fabulously wealthy out she of it. She personally kisses each box before <laughs> it gets sent. Maybe that's, maybe that's a secret to it. But the, the big thing here is that like, it, it's completely evacuated what you might once upon a time for what a company is doing, which is actually making stuff. Uh, Indeed. Uh, you, you've just entirely front-loaded the thing onto the brand and then turned that into a huge piles of cash. So Piers Morgan probably ought to be congratulating her. We don't even make this podcast. We just slap our names on it at the end. This is a bunch of actors. Yeah, yeah we, we, could e we could easily say that we don't actually make this podcast at all. We outsource it to Fiverr. In fact, you think that's Nate? That's a model made of latex. Well, I'm just interesting, though, because there's a detail, and I don't know if you're going to get to it, but the James, I, I, I thought we want to talk about, too, is, is uh, there's only seven employees. Yeah. There's only yeah, seven yeah, employees exactly. of this company. Yeah. And it's like, it, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's basically, it's a front company for an already established cosmetics business. Well, this, is, this is genius. Mm. Right? This, is, this is quite spectacular that you can do this. Right? This, this, is, this is what we've got to in capitalism. This is the best it's ever going to get. Mm. It's literally possible to become a billionaire on the basis of seven employees, an Instagram uh, presence, uh, and some lipstick. 
right, that somebody else is making. Right? You're oh my God, it's Barone Sanitation. <laughs> <laughs> like, Kylie, you got an office of Barone Sanitation. Go there. The feds are looking into this. Milo, all that is solid melts into the Sopranos. It does. I mean, show me the lie. This is literally Barone Sanitation if it was a billion dollar company. <laughs> yeah, all the money comes from uh, business. <laughs> I'm in the lip management business. Yeah. You uh, only make $10 a year from actually disposing of waste. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> right, and so, I mean, you, yeah, this is, th- it seems like it's this, this is the result of everything falling further and further into what you might call a service economy, where there is nothing anymore. There are just services that can be provided. Right. K- kind of. I mean, the, the, the issue there is like, let's not get carried away with like, oh, if only she was like making cars or something no. proper and manly like mm. that. I mean, I don't want to get in that sort of thing. But there is something weird to having like <laughs> a company that barely exists, like the thin existence of this thing, the thin sort of presence of anything that's actually doing. And yet somehow it's it's incredibly spectacularly valuable. Right. That's what we got to. Equally, like, Don- like Donald Trump doesn't make hotels, just as in fact, most car manufacturers actually don't make cars. Most car manufacturers are just organizing the logistics of bringing other of bringing lots of standard parts together that they buy from other people. Well, here you go into the dangerous Marxist thing of who's making the lipstick anyway, right? So, so you know, this is, this is, a, this is a, a terrible path to end on when you start thinking about who is actually doing the work at any point in any of this uh, mm. set of relationships and who owns the company and who owns the brand and all the rest, right? Where, where, are the lips, where is the lipstick made? I really feel like I should have looked this up. Yeah, before. I don't know, but I took a look at it. Not read Das Maquillage Volume 3. Um, <laughs> I just think it's funny because there are different permutations of this and some of them are more sinister than others. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Azalea Banks also has a uh, cosmetics line. It's an asshole bleaching cream. Yo, that's oh, actually no, very funny. That's up. cool. I'm not making that no, up. No, that's cool. I guess in this case, Yo, that cunt not getting eaten. <laughs> Azalea, Azalea Banks for billionaire. She's the, she is the only billionaire I want to see. There gets to be one billionaire and we elect them every year. <laughs> yes. And it's Bam Margera every, every year. Every single year. No, it's Bam Margera's simpleton friend from Connecticut. Please. Oh, yes. Right, but it, the other the hero thing Gotham deserves truly. The other thing I think, and a lot of these de- and a lot of these debates sort of ris- almost risk falling down on like, does she deserve to be a billionaire or not? Because has she put in enough work? But has it's crap. No one can ever put in enough work to be a billionaire. It's insane. Mm. I mean, it's just ludicrous the idea. This is the whole thing that's self-made. How the hell are you going to be self-made to be a billionaire? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's an spectacular amount of money, right? Obviously, it's staying bleeding obvious at this point. It is so far beyond what any of us in this room I'm going to has to guess here, will mm. ever earn in our entire lifetime. Uh, in fact, everyone in this building, which understands full of startups. I mean, right? I have a lot of faith in my music career. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of faith. I have a lot of faith in the mixtape. Yeah. I think it's going to go far. It's, it sounds like you're talking Britain down because actually, if we just deregulated the market enough and allowed the free market to like really work and let people succeed, then everyone could be a billionaire. Uh, obviously. Maybe, and- maybe if everyone lived in polycules. There would be more billionaires. Yeah, if everyone stopped like buying nice things and like we just reduced all health and safety regulation to nothing and dropped all tariffs, then yeah. of course the free market would make everyone a billionaire. Obviously, I was, just, I was just checking this. I remember the statistic. So a billion seconds is thirty-one years. So if you were making like a dollar a second for like pretty much your entire working life, you would become a billionaire. Yeah. So that's how hard you'd have to work high, to actually. High, yeah. Right? Well, how how hard like that's you need to like take a you need to like listen to a lot of audiobooks on double speed to be able to work that hard. You really would, and you'd have to be being paid to listen to them somehow. <laughs> at a, a, at a dollar a second hour for your rate. entire life, whether or not you're you're asleep or awake or actually doing anything. Yeah, yeah, and the comparison between a million and a billion, I think, that is interesting on that one too. Is that a million seconds is eleven days, and a billion seconds is like thirty-one years? It's just yeah. like yeah, just the the, the the content, but then. 
you hear somebody is worth twenty billion dollars or ten billion dollars, and you're like, oh yeah, that's just, it's just a part of our economy somehow. Yeah, yeah well, like like just like more money than a person could could even conceive of. Like it's like the thing with when people were talking about the AOC like seventy percent tax rate above ten million dollars a year. And I'm like, I don't, it's like hard to imagine how anyone could object to that on the basis of like, what can't you do with $10 million a year? And you can still earn more than $10 million a year. You couldn't buy buy Kylie Jenner's company, it turns out. No, if that was one of your aims in life. Like, damn. But something that I'm interested too, James, is the idea that like, this can't be worth a billion dollars. Like, this valuation is inflated. Like, beyond just like the accounting method used, like the idea that it's actually worth that much money seems like that's just another trick of this economy that we have invented... I don't know, credulity in this kind of number and be like, oh, yes, a, an Instagram star who is related to a reality TV personality has a, a company that she, that's basically a front and that's somehow worth a billion dollars. Well, it's sort of, I mean, again, it's, this is like what capitalism does. This, this is how the thing operates. Right? Mm-hmm. For its entire existence, it depends on an enormous amount of overvaluation of bullshit yeah. at various points in its existence. Uh, so, so, you know, from, from tulip mania, right? Tulip bulbs worth the equivalent of several uh, million dollars back in the 1650s, or all the way all through. All because Kylie Jenner was promoting them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it, and this continues, right? The dot-com boom, it's the same thing. Companies yeah. that never produced or done anything whatsoever getting spectacularly overvalued. The question of the minute is, are we in the middle of, of, of something like that uh, as of now? And is there some weird, creepy interaction with social media that, that's going to sort of blow up in our face in a hilarious well, fashion somewhere down the line? Well, it's, it's basically at this point, it's just it's all just effective now. It, it is essentially like we have, we've we've got we have monetized. We monetized the future with financialization that crashed. We monopolize. We, we monetize like just like growth in the economy and then in the Great Depression that crashed. Um, you know, essentially what are we doing now? The, the we monetize this podcast. Most of the donate to the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> most of the economy now seems to be based on targeted advertising, which basically means we're monetizing identity and emotion. Yep. More or less. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you run out. You run out. Once you've kind of colonized one bit of it, the, the dynamic is: if you want to make more money out of something, you have to find something else to go and sell yeah. to people. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's almost yeah. like what? monetized getting tattoos and eating cheese because it's a guy's born in July thing. <laughs> um, but the other thing I think to remember, right, is like this never occurs in a vacuum, right? Because it's it's not as though Kylie Jenner has just kind of through her incredible Instagram feed. Um, and not not even necessarily Kylie Jenner, just any billionaire, like like Bezos or or Tim Cook or Tim Apple, as he's now known. Um, like they didn't just sort of <laughs> magic a billion dollars into existence or many billions. It all has to come from somewhere. And one of the thing, the other things I think we can see is that it is that we might not we, but we as at least electorates seem to be sort of willfully funneling this money from places it's actually useful into um, an extra ivory back scratcher for Kylie Jenner. Um, so I noticed, uh, something I found was uh, recently it's been released that, uh, the Bureau of Investigative Journalism, um, compiling data on 12,000 public spaces disposed of by councils since 2014-15 found that, um, councils have been forced to raise and essentially give away 9.1 billion pounds from just selling off their property. I mean, this is the this is the monster. This is the colonization. If you run out of ways to make money doing the things that we sort of tend to think capitalism should do, but but really, very rarely actually does, which is actually making stuff and selling it, right? Actual things that exist, and, and that includes services. Then after a while, you end up trying to chase those profits elsewhere. Uh, and the mechanism over the last 30, 40 years looks exactly like you find it hard to make profits in the let's invest in something, let's make something end of the economy. So you go chasing off. Uh, can you privatize something that already exists and sell? 
sell it somewhere? Can you make a profit out of that? Can you get councils, as has happened over exactly with the figures you quote over the period since 2010? Can you get them to sell off things that are actually public assets? Everyone's put their money into because you paid taxes for these things. Can you do that? Can you do the same thing with the NHS? Can you chop off bits of it in one way or another, hand over to a private company so they can make money out of it? This is a kind of colonisation process, right? Which reaches a really, really bizarre point when you get uh, social media and a, a sort of impression of value, an impression of a brand, and like you know your million, ten million followers, wherever it is, that has a monetized value that you can then try and to leverage into into actual uh, money elsewhere. It, it's a really peculiar kind of capitalism eating itself sort of moment you get to on this, it, and, and it has it has a, a weird sort of side effect. I remember reading last year, it was. These guys call themselves the wolves of Instagram, right? And it's like, and this is like people basically trying to flog uh, binary options, which is a ludicrously simple, like really. Uh, you know, it's not it's not really an option it's just a bet on whether if you like a share will go up in price if it goes up and you say it's going to go up you win if it goes down you lose right simple as that and they sell it all as like trading and they sell it all as your route to riches and obviously the wolf of wall street is like you're a big example of how to make loads of money from nowhere and it trades entirely on this kind of bullshit to lure people into what is effectively a big old pyramid scheme that everybody because they don't actually make money out of the binary options they have to go and frantically sell the things to other suckers basically somewhere yeah. down the line you know and, and, and that's a kind of low level version sorry <laughs> You can buy them from Kylie Jenner now. Well, but this is the thing. This is kind of the low level. This is the way this is This is, this is eating into every part of everybody's life that you can start to see what financialization looks like, that you end mm. up with that kind of mechanism where people are sort of on this treadmill at the bottom and then there's a more successful version of it somewhere mm. up at the top. And interesting. You just, as, as you say this, a guy... Someone called True Hustle just followed me on Instagram. <laughs> oh, nice! I love I love buying good. a load of uh, buying a load of futures in the Azerbaijani um, oil industry because Dr. Alex from Love Island told me to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, how long how long until like they're, they're going to be like, like Instagram influencer trips to like Saudi Arabia? I mean, there surely there already have been. Um, I think Dubai, yeah, Oman. Not quite Saudi, yeah. <laughs> Kylie Jenner posted, wow, I've never been to a real beheading before. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's, um, uh, but it, it, it feels as though additionally, like there is a connection between, um, between the sort of rampant sort of looting of the public coffers and that money sort of being redirected elsewhere, even if the public coffers are being looted so that we can pay, we can basically just keep covering services, kicking the can a little bit down the road while we frantically just shovel money into like Richard Branson's plane. Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. Uh, but this is, this is reaching a, a sort of ludicrous point by now, I think, that, that there's a, a serious sort of, well, uh, the lights have just gone out, the serious crisis of, of, Better. Well, it's kind of it's not so much a crisis of profitability it's a crisis of investment a crisis of productivity a crisis of your bare essentials of what should capitalism be doing deliver i mean you know the best form of capitalism you get is probably something like just after the second world war mm-hmm. uh, and into 40s 50s 60s 70s that kind of period where growth is very high people's wages are rise, rising you have a, a real sort of transformation in the economy that actually delivers loads of stuff for lots of people at least in the, the global north right mm-hmm. so here france america uh, north america that sort of thing and that's the best version of capitalism you ever get and what you get afterwards is the sort of same principles, right? Chasing profits all over the place, but you you, the, the, you don't really care where it happens, and it's incredibly short term, and a lot of it is just shuffling money around. 
this is late stage capitalism, basically. Everyone's like, oh, late stage capitalism. Damn, I, I was late for my bus. Late stage capitalism strikes again. But this is actually what that is. Well, kind of. But it's also, I'm, I'm worried about calling it late stage because it's like people are talking about late capitalism at least since the sort of 70s, right? And probably predating that. And you, you kind mm-hmm. of wait for it. You know, you, Lenin talking about the final stage of capitalism, whatever, and that's in the 1910s. So you kind of wait for that thing to finish. Exactly. Now. <laughs> exactly. But no, there's a sort of another, there's a cliffhanger and then the damn thing carries on for another season. You know, that's kind of, that's, that's the mechanism here. Um, the, the danger, I think, is that what you had like that best bit of capitalism oh wow it's making loads of stuff oh wow it's a post-war boom everybody's uh, wages are going up you've got the NHS mm-hmm. you've got welfare state it's all looking really good that is the exception what capitalism is really like what it really does is just sell stuff and it doesn't care at all whether this is morally good morally bad it's just going to sell some stuff and that's how it's going to make money right mm-hmm. so in that sense the perfection of it is when you can basically sell stuff based entirely on a brand that barely exists yeah. right on a, on a company that barely exists Right, this is the most perfect form of capitalism you can have. James, you've really put me off capitalism. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not great. Uh, that's, that's my hot take. Wait, hang on. Thing. Shit. Fuck. Oh, damn. <laughs> we, we're going to have to go back and change every previous episode of this show. <laughs> we're going to have to. And I've spent the whole day Googling Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that really, that, that, that always shocks when you see the same metrics that are applied to sort of like... The thing that always reminds me is like when you had the collateralized debt obligations right before the last financial crisis, and all of the ratings agencies were assigning these things, you know, AAA ratings that they were like these were like pension grade investments that you could make, and everybody involved knew, like everybody who was who was involved with with, with securitizing these things knew that there were certain tranches that were absolutely risky and some that, that weren't. Uh, but the entire system was built on this sort of like it can't fail, it can't go wrong. The smartest people in the world have said that this. Uh, you know, this is a foolproof investment, but it's the same sort of concept. The same kind of people are saying this shell company, this artificial Mm. sort of non-entity that's just been amplified by social media, this has the same value as a thing like I don't know another billion-dollar company, a billion-dollar company like like that makes things, or even worse, you could look at someone like Amazon, which is a business that does things. But like, mm. is Jeff Bezos really truly worth 120 billion dollars? Is that business that valuable? Like those it, kisses, man. It just seems They're valuable. It just seems like the the inflated value. It, it seems to coincide with a period of like crushing deflation for people who are not in the investor class. I also fucking loved the whole collateralized debt obligation thing because they were all like, oh yeah, no, sure. These mortgage brokers uh, seem very trustworthy. We're sure they've lent good mortgages and their names were all like Joey Fraudiamiglio and they were like a <laughs> former bodybuilder who's like selling houses on top of a swamp in the Everglades. <laughs> it really, it's a really, you could see like Kylie Jenner is just the highest expression of that where well, it's like, it's, it's, Again, I feel I'm doing the defense of Kylie Jenner. She is actually selling lipstick, yeah. right? So, so there is yeah. something here that's being sold that people want. But right? no, I put, nobody wants a collateralized debt obligation, right? <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah. Really? I put they look. They make me look great, Santa baby. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um. But one of my questions that I sort of I always ask, right, is right now if these are our billion dollar companies. If like the the financial the financial industry, it's over. It's old hat. It's ten years ago. The tech industry, it's already kind of. It's it's sort of faltering. Um, but our billion dollar companies now are our influencers. They're our feudal devotion to our living gods. You know, it's Keemstar. What, what do you? Yeah, it's it's the Keemstar economy. Welcome to the Keemstar. Welcome to Keemstar capitalism. Damn, billionaires are all just clout chasing. Um, where wh- if we seize the means of production, what do we seize at this point? 
If we seize the means of production, what do we seize at this point? All right, there's a. Uh, I mean, this is like life becomes difficult, right? Uh, when you start to try and think through what it means to have capitalism that has created this this huge infrastructure, because there is something real going on here, right? Behind a company that looks like what. Kylie Jenner's doing and actually a whole bunch of other people. Behind all of that, there is a massive technological infrastructure to get the internet to work, to have companies that can provide things like Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Right? These things do exist. It has changed how the economy operates. All of that stuff pretty much is held in kind of private hands, mm. right? And companies allow you access to it in return for a payment. The payment that you make is not really like in terms of money, the payment you make is in terms of the data that you're handing over. Uh, now, that is a challenge to how most people on the left sort of think about things, because what is the means of production here? How are you going to seize it? You sometimes get people saying, you know, let's, let's nationalise Facebook, right? Which is, it's, it's a flippant thing to say, because one, Facebook's in the US, so you can't sit in Britain and nationalise it. And two, I mean, to be, to be honest, I made this point before, but like, do you really want the US government to have access to all that lovely Facebook data. I mean, they can kind of get anyway if they really want it, but why make life easy for them? Right? So there is actually a challenge to anybody who thinks on the left, which is like, what do you do instead of saying, okay, we're just going to take this thing? If there is an actual factory actually producing something, if there's a coal mine producing coal, you want to nationalise it, you can go and take the coal mine and nationalise it. That happened in this country, same with railways. So if you want to like do something about what the internet is doing, and potentially producing value, life becomes very, very difficult, right? Mm. And I think the issue there is thinking through a couple of things. One, what is data anyway, uh, which is not not an easy conceptual thing. The other part is, is what does it mean to have some sort of collective or democratic control over this stuff? What, what is the form of property ownership that you want to get to, right? Uh, my reading of this is not, absolutely not, the sort of old school, the state will own it, it's all going to be good, right? That That isn't going to work here for a whole whole list of reasons. One of them, obviously, the state simply can't take these things. Two, it's kind of undesirable to just have the state doing these things. So we have to think through what a kind of collective version of the internet, collectively produced version of the internet might start to look like. That's a very, very long-winded way of saying not very no, much. No, it's really interesting. I was just reminded because... Um it's funny. We we you worked for John McDonald, and yeah. we've talked a lot about uh, John McDonald. Recently, wrote an essay for that was the New Socialist, I think, where he talked about he, he referenced Red Bologna, which yes. he was referencing in the seventies, yeah, which yeah, is really yeah. interesting. And I remember reading that the the version that I've read at the end had an interview with the mayor of Bologna yeah, in the seventies, yeah. and he made the point. He said like. We could, if we really wanted to fight to have every ice cream cart be owned by the city, but that just doesn't make sense. We don't really, there's no need to. And it's the idea that like there are things, to me, it seems like there are things that state ownership or public ownership will make a difference. And it's like, it seems like the difference between owning everything versus for the point of not having there be commerce versus owning certain things so that if there is commerce, it's not this artificial skewed thing that's creating I feel like I'm harping on it, but overvaluation. And one thing that I think of is you mentioned housing, for example. Houses are going to have value, but does where I, I live in an area, I live in Peckham, and like there are houses that they certainly have value. They're not worth six hundred thousand pounds. They, they're they're worth something, but not that. The reason why they're assigned that value is because of this massive inflation that's happened. Like the sort of between I don't know real estate investment trusts and just the fact that people want to live in London has created yeah, this artificial yeah, yeah. value. If you want to talk about foreign investment in fucking London property, just as an aside today, uh, one of the many really dumb things that I do for money is I do some work for uh, like a Russian fixer who does a lot of work for like really wealthy Russians in London. And today, uh, it, it's obviously it's International Women's Day on the day we're recording this, and in Russia, that's a big holiday. Day. Not because they're in any way feminist, but because in Russia it's Women's Day, where you give your broad a nice time, you buy a bunch of flowers. It's like it's very weird. And um, so I was like delivering various 
gifts from like people who are in Russia to like Russian women who live in London. And I went to this apartment block in Kensington and Chelsea. Now you may not be aware there are a few Russians around. And um, I went into this apartment block and I was not the only Russian speaking courier delivering fucking 8th of March gifts in that building. <laughs> At the same time, like literally during the, the 30 second period I was in the building, there was another guy going to a different apartment also speaking Russian to the person in there. See, that's a, that's a market economy operating at perfect efficiency, Milo. Exactly. <laughs> You've got the skills, they've got the money. See, there's nothing wrong with it, clearly. 100%. And soon Kylie Jenner will own 100% of the distribution, but will just sort of have an ownership title over all of the companies that actually execute it. But look, we, we talk about like overvaluation, right? And Nothing's overvalued or things don't tend to be overvalued unless there is some kind of money flowing into them. And taking this sort of slightly back to back to councils being funded, mm-hmm. um, there, was, there was this quote that I found that I, I really sort of wanted to pull out um, where uh, County Council's network, uh, Simon Edwards, the director, uh, says, put bluntly, these are some of the most difficult decisions facing councils every day. And this is talking about selling off pools, leisure centers, youth centers, um, just parks, every single thing that makes life livable. Um, and these are difficult decisions. Local politicians not going to public service to slash and burn or make valued staff redundant, let alone sell Speak assets yourself, to do this. But this is the financial reality of years of funding reductions in rising demand. And yet funding reduction, it's, 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 it's like I feel like people haven't yet put together that this money, all of this money that in these resources that are basically designed to make our lives livable are being channeled into making Kylie Jenner's life ultra livable. What? Because the council's cutting its funding. Well, that's or rather, not, because look, council funding has been cut, Kylie Jenner gets rich. I, look, there is, there is, there is an element of truth to that, yeah. right? If you have capitalism, which basically doesn't look like it, it's certainly not growing like it used to, right? I mean, Kylie Jenner in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kylie let's just, Jenner is representative yeah, yeah, of the class let's of billionaires. Let's say this sort of the, there's a category of people who are incredibly wealthy who are doing all right and everybody else isn't. If you have capitalism in general, which is growing, but not growing in a way that most people's wages are rising. So take this country, right? Um, real wages now are lower than they were in 2010. So it's, it, and this is unprecedented. This just really hasn't happened for, for the last sort of 200 years, that kind of period of time where most people haven't got better off. I heard it's because of the Romanians. Uh, it, it's, 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 well, you, you, you heard wrong. But, uh, you know, it's, 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 no, I heard it from a very reputable guy that I met on the street who was drinking a can of tenants, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> We can come back to, to the, the, the impact of living in a zero-sum game economy, right? So you have growth. Yeah. The economy is growing, not particularly well. It is growing. Most people are not better off, right? So somebody's doing all right. And, and the issue you have at that point is it, it looks like a zero-sum game. In other words, the fact that you are being made worse off means that somebody else is getting better off, right? Yeah. And, and all of our politics starts to look uh, like variants after a while of dealing with that. So one progressive version of this is to say, in order for me or you or everybody in this room, most people live around here, to be uh, better off, somebody else has to be made worse off up at the top. A not very progressive version that Milo uh, helpfully indicated is to say, actually, the people who are going to be made worse off are, are migrants, right? So, And you get variants of this sort of politics all over the place. So, so the challenge, I think, for anybody, again, back to like what the left should be doing, is thinking about what are the implications of that zero-sum game? Because the sort of old-school argument the old school left argument is, is you can present everything as a win-win. You can go, hey, it's, it's great. We're going to uh, invest some money. The economy is going to grow. I'm better off. People at the top are better off. It's win-win for everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a deep cynicism about that. Like Everyone kind of knows that isn't going to work. 
with the state of the world as it is, that I'm being made worse off because somebody else is being made better off. So if mm. I want to be better off and have the things that the local authority can provide, uh, have actually, you know, my living standards going up, not the, the, the extraordinary falls in, in pay in real terms that we've seen over the last few years. If you want that to happen, somebody else has to be made worse off, right? And that's the mm. understanding that people have. And broadly, the economy we live in does kind of look a bit like that. Right, so so there is this thing where it is no longer capitalism producing the goods for everybody, and we're all living happily ever after. Things become quite brutal. Mm. But something that I'm wondering though is looking at that. I feel like when you show people the disparities, when you show people the disparity between, I remember, I want to say it was it was Grace Blakely shared that chart on Twitter where it was like the difference in the EU 27 countries, like what uh, what the difference between the poorest region and the wealthiest region in those countries was. And in the United Kingdom, it was a difference of like 600%. It was by far, it wasn't just the largest, it was the largest by an enormous margin. And it's like when you can show people mm. like, these people, it's not that billionaires are going to be destitute. They're just not going to be making money as much hand over fist as they are now. And that that, that incremental decrease of their wealth, I don't know, accrual, is going to make an exponential difference in the lives of basically everybody else. Yeah, because like, when thing you explain always... it that way, it's not. It, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like we're like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna burn their mansions down and you know, exile them to Saint Helena. Like, we're, I mean, we're, I mean, it, not that I wouldn't. Does it? Does it have to not mean that? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like that's the shit that they get on TV and say yeah, all the time. And it's like, but when you look at it, and you say, no, it's just the fact that they have they have they have suctioned up so much of the money in the economy that even what's going to be like a 10% decrease in their rate of return, not in their overall wealth, is going to make an exponential difference for everyone else because they get so little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as we all know, the billionaires are actually going to burn the rest of the planet down and then move themselves <laughs> to New Zealand. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, I always think this is weird because I think, particularly in the UK, we have, like, this is why I thought Ocasio-Cortez's thing about the $10 million a year thing was so helpful. Because in the UK, I think politics gets really bogged down in talking about different shades of people who are still on the normal income spectrum. Like, we talk about taxes at 150k a year. Who gives a fuck about people earning 150k a year? Talk about people earning 10 million quid a year, 20 million quid a year, 30 million, because those people exist. And they make an exponentially bigger difference than like pissing off a bunch of people who just like work in a law firm and do 16 hour days or whatever like why are we not talking about higher taxes at like way higher thresholds yeah, yeah. or uh, i completely agree with you um i and this is this has become like a slightly sort of dumb argument that, that, that flares up and, and it comes from a particular version of like what the left politics should look like and what the Labour Party should be doing and saying, which is is that, and I associate with sort of Blairism or even Brownism, which is that, you know, it's sort of hard to go after the people right at the top. You know, that, that's kind of a difficult thing mm -hmm. to get the tax system to do. If you want to run the NHS and pay for all sorts of things, you end up squeezing. This is what New Labour did in office. You end up taking from people who aren't actually that well off. Right? You, you sort yeah. of squeeze people a bit lower down and then you kind of redistribute it to everyone else uh, and you, you let that not even the top 1%, if you want to be a top 1% in this country, you need to earn about 150,000 a year. It's the top 0.1%, which is people earning over about a million pounds a year. You mm -hmm. let that lot zoom off into the distance and don't touch them. You're intensely relaxed about people becoming filthy rich because you end up squeezing lower down the scale. Now, mm -hmm. if you want to actually build a coalition that wins something, like an election, and <laughs> gets a government uh, that can make a difference to this, it's sure, like, if you're on 50, 60, 70, 80,000 pounds a year, you're, you're rich on the average. You're a fair bit rich on the average by the time you get to 60, 70,000 a year, right? Mm. You're about twice at least more than that uh, average earnings. But you're nowhere near the people at the top, like that 0.1%. Yeah who have the money and the wealth. And that yeah. is the bit that you need to start. And they turn into sort of almost like demigods at that point, because at that point they're famous 
They're famous for being rich, but they're also sort of famous as these dynamos of the economy who tend to be moving things forward. You, uh, yeah. I, I, I feel like this is something you could bring up is that when you go specifically try to antagonize people uh, who are in that sort of like that 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 spectrum you're describing, like from say sixty seventy thousand pounds a year up to like two hundred fifty thousand pounds a year, you wind up with. I mean, think about this, Milo. If you asked your parents about like labor in the seventies, I bet you that I can't remember the, the line. It was one of the chancellors under labor who said like, "We're going to squeeze property owners till the pips squeak." Like they'll still remember that shit. Because yeah, they, they, they fucking do. Yeah, My parents uh, specifically remember that shit. That, yeah. that, 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 <laughs> that, that's specific, still fucking enraged about that it. That specific <laughs> quote, and it's like what you. I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm agreeing with your point, but I feel like that's th- that. Not only do you not actually get as much value out of it, but you also, in a way, are are antagonizing a, although not as powerful, a much larger group of people who then. If they're antagonized together, if they have any kind of which many of whom are ideologically minded to support you, like people like my parents are like natural Labour voters. If you actually ask them what they think, but they vote Tory because they associate Labour with like ninety eight percent tax at like a hundred grand a year or whatever, like that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy Corbyn needs to go and do a magic trick for my parents (laughs) while wearing a feather in his fedora (laughs) and ask them if they'd like to kiss him before like walking off. Horrifying. Talking to their fat friend. So many, so many ways but um no you're right it was it was dennis healy in the 70s who was chancellor of the exchequer and he said it we're going to tax the rich until the pips squeak um which you know that that, that, that gets repeated he didn't do this he was on the right yeah, of the yeah. party at the time right um so look, the, the issue i think you're absolutely right the issue is and probably one of the best or most important things we did with, with the 2017 election manifesto was to make that promise that we're absolutely going to stick to um the that we would not be increasing income tax, VAT, and national insurance contributions for anyone earning yeah. less than 80,000 a year. Now, 80,000 a year puts you in the top 5%, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And over that, we'd ask you to pay a bit more, right? Now, that is that is setting up that very important argument about who do you want to be on your side? What is the actual problem? The actual problem here is not, yes, it's a fair bit of money. It's more than average. No, this is not the target of all that is bad in the world, and therefore we're going to rinse it. No, that's yeah. not mm-hmm. the case. The problem is whacking great corporations, avoiding taxes, and extremely wealthy people doing something similar, right? That is where the problem is. So you target that. Yeah. The second bit, I mean, the more blunt electoral thing is that if you go around saying, hey, everybody's wages have fallen, most people's wages have fallen for the last uh, seven years at the time under the Tories, you can't really turn around and say, guess what we're going to do? First thing, we're going to put your taxes up because like, you've been made mm-hmm. poorer by the Tories. So Labour's going to do that as well, right? It's a total non-starter. If you have a rhetoric that says, you've been made poorer under the Tories, you can't also say to people, most people, we're going to make you poorer too because yeah. we're going to put your taxes up, right? So it's a simple electoral coalition calculation about why you need to do this. But the deeper thing is because we need to transform how the entire economy works, not sort of piss about chasing people who have a bit more money, but not the spectacular kind of pools of wealth yeah. that we see towards the top end of society. Yeah, because if, if, you're, if, cause if you're in that spectrum, like when you say the not 0.1%, like that's still the low end of that spectrum, like, oh, above yeah. a million pounds. Yeah. Like we're talking people like the super, what is it, the ultra high net worth individual, where it's like they make... I don't know, they have 100 million pounds or 500 million pounds or a billion pounds. Like those people yeah, exist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of their wealth is offshore, but like they absolutely exist. Yeah. I mean, because you get like people who are earning 100,000 pounds a year might buy themselves a nice flat or a nice car, but people who are like that rich are buying themselves a nice age of consent loophole plane. <laughs> <laughs> It's not illegal if it's in international waters. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, sorry, Hussein Epstein. I didn't know you joined us. I, I, I did two law classes. 
I did so, two law classes, and now I'm Jeffrey Epstein's lawyer. Yeah. No, I only, I only bought two this law plane. classes over here. Business, what a week on a business this, studies course. That was me. Yeah. Over there. That's good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a oh, lot it's of the, we are, we are a business podcast. Yeah, we're a business podcast about like dudes doing business. James, you know what's really embarrassing is I did a whole, I did a whole year of a business degree at Cambridge after I finished my main degree, and I learned fucking nothing. <laughs> business school is such a joke. It's like, what, <laughs> you know what, he, do you know what? That's what? That's literally what Andrew Tate says as well. He, there's wow. a video where he's just like he actually his, taught me a business in his, in, his, <laughs> in, his, in his weird voice he's just like fuck school man it's so weird because yeah, that's how he sounds yeah. but you, um, sorry he lives in Luton and that's he lives he in Luton yeah he's raised yeah. in America he has it's an American accent okay, okay, he, he, he lives he, in Luton <laughs> because Luton's the only place where you can train for big fights but he also mm-hmm. accidentally he, he uses British slang words so he periodically sounds like me when I'm trying to make myself understood he's like I don't want to hear about your dodgy mates and your fucking mobiles okay I don't want to hear about <laughs> Like, it just sounds I don't weird. want to hear about the bins so in the loo. Really, what we need to do. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, just Andrew Tate is scaring off the capital from Britain. <laughs> Andrew Tate has made all of the has made all of the pools of capital afraid to come back to Britain, and that's why we need austerity. Twenty twenty manifesto promise: um, Andrew Tate will personally punch the Duke of Westminster <laughs> <laughs> outside Oceana Watford. It's going down. Anyone who voted Labour can watch. <laughs> well, speaking of, in fact, um, this is. This is now the government starting to contravene its its own logic, right? Where they've begun, they've they've now begun to say, well, we actually we can find some of this money, even though the ultra high net worth are basically untouchable because we've decided we don't want to go after them, or because we don't want to remove the motivation to invent the next Dyson. Um, they've now be actually been able to find this money to bribe labor voters, not with the ability, not with the chance to see Andrew Tate and the Duke of Westminster do a bare knuckle boxing match, <laughs> but rather uh, Theresa May appears to have found another 1.6 billion pounds. So you know, Kylie Jenner found her billion. Um, councils lost about a billion, and then Theresa May found about another billion. Oh, God, councils have lost more than that, which is part of the problem with like 1.6 billion. This is 1.6 billion after, you know, uh, what is it, 30, 40 years of massive underinvestment across most of the country outside of London and bits of the southeast. I mean, that's, it's, it's not even sticking plaster, it's a joke. Yeah. Right, uh, and it's and it's seen as a joke, uh, and it seems to have gone down like the proverbial lead balloon. So it's, it's just it's, it's fast. It's so bad. You almost wonder whether she'd set it up to be that bad. I mean, if you're going to be serious about it, you said here's 16 billion, here's 160 billion. Like here's actual like large sums of cash that's going to make a difference. It's but just in order to get that, what would we really have to do? Especially because um, it's so easy for capital to go on strike. Uh, is it easy, to, easy for capital well, to go I mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's easy because you can, you can domicile most of your money outside the country. Uh, it's easy to move, the, move money around. In fact, the fact that we're still in the European Union means that you, know, you can always take your money from uh, well, your financialized capital anyway. You can always take it from Britain and put it in you know, Germany or whatever. Well, look, if, you, if you're talking about investment, right? You're talking about let's go off and build some stuff. I'm not a Lexit guy. I just yeah, think yeah, that's yeah, one yeah, of yeah. the main faults of the EU. <laughs> If, um, if we're talking about investment, so let's go off and build some stuff. So, so whatever the stuff might be, um, massively improving public transport, uh, Giant big shifting. Giant Beyblade to, Dome. Uh, <laughs> second point in the middle of just come, just throw some ideas in this. Yeah. Just knock some, in knock some things around. Yeah. <laughs> Is it Portsmouth that has an enormous spike or something? That's that's the thing they spent. Oh, that a huge fucking money. that weird building that looks like a sail. Yeah, it's like uh, that kind yeah. of thing. So, so there, on, yeah. only like do yeah. it properly and doing it in a serious the, way. Yeah, when the private when the private sector does it, they do do stuff like making a big like weird gherkin or like a spike or yeah. a shard. They make the dumbest buildings. We know James Dyson reckons he's going to make electric cars now. 
Um, when people are saying that you know this is uh, this is a bit of a departure from his usual business of making Hoovers, and they might be a bit arrogant thinking he can make an electric car just because both things are electric. But I actually think, to be fair to James Dyson, they probably will be quite similar to his Hoovers, and I'm sure that those cars will fucking suck. It's a lot of build-up for that a was, gentle pun around <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to say that Trash Future is a, is a, is a, is a pro Henry po- is a pro Henry Hoover podcast. Yeah. Henry Hoover vest so good. I bought one, so good. I just want to like I, can I, can I just talk about Hoovers for a bit. The Hoover review. I want to wait for you to say, say why eye. it's so good. I need to know a bit more than just you right. saying. It's got a little face. It's got a it's a it's a Hoover with a personality. It's like <laughs> Kylie Jenner. You have an effective relationship with the Henry Hoover, and that's why it's such a valuable company. <laughs> when you that's know why the Henry Brit- Hoover keeps sucking. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the Henry Hoover is the future of British industry, right? Like this is what's going to make us relevant and muscular post uh, post Brexit. Hoovers with little faces on them. Yeah, Hoovers with faces and other cutesy shit mm. like that. But there'll be yeah. like different faces because yeah, we, want to, Henry Henry Henry, we want to represent the diversity. Yeah, you of can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Happy so, International Women's Day. We, we made a Henrietta. <laughs> keep calm God, and keep on so sucking. Um, right, but so the thing is, like, it's that's my real question. How do you get that? How well, do you, get, you, know, how do you keep that money? How do you prevent the well, ultra I mean, wealthy from just taking it? The, the, the biggie there is, is at this point in time, if you're talking about investment and building things outside of London, houses or um, wherever else it might be, um, renewable energy, all sorts, actual stuff that you're going to do because it hasn't happened for a long period of time in most of the country. At this point in time, you can borrow money off wealthy people and uh, big institutions for such a low rate of interest, it's, it's negative. They'll pay you to borrow that money, right? That, that's the government's own borrowing rate. The, the insanity of the last few years is, is that the government is insisting that it won't do this until fairly recently. So... The, the thing about wealthy people moving their money elsewhere looks less of a problem if they're so desperate to have some safe investment, they will hand over money to the government and get a negative rate of interest on it. Do you so, see what I mean? So that money can be borrowed and then you go off and spend and build the stuff. And what's absurd is that it, in light of all of these facts, in light of the and, and the only thing that explains the sort of immense concentration of, of wealth in the hands of the very wealthiest, even at a negative rate of interest, is quite simply that our government is ideologically opposed to doing anything that isn't like maintaining a nuclear arsenal. I mean, part, partly that, partly also, I think that there's a sort of there's a kind of deep structural problem, which is that uh, they, they live in fear of another, put it this way, there's sort of a generalized fear of another financial crisis. Right. The last one was phenomenally expensive. Uh, we're, we're still being forced to pay for it through austerity now, and that sort of stretches out for years and years, well into the next decade on, on sort of fairly optimistic government projections. So it's phenomenally expensive. It leads to a huge increase in, in the government debt. It leads to a massive uh, opening up of the deficit. If we face another financial crisis, it could be that expensive. It could be similarly like phenomenally expensive, a huge cost to everyone. Therefore, the thing to do, you might think the thing to do is try and avoid another financial crisis. That yeah, will involve changing how finance operates, right? That's the kind of sensible thing to do. Yeah. What the government has thought and the, the kind of the deep structure of this is to say, no, what we're actually going to do is shrink the public sector. So in case there's another crash, we have the space that we can deal with it, right? So presented with a choice between having an enormous uh, – you know, very risky, very, very large financial system and having a public sector that actually does some stuff like local councils that can provide basic services. The choice that has been forced on us through austerity is to say we are privileging that financial system. That's mm-hmm. basically what the thing comes down to. So and it's not just ideology. 
Yeah. This is like how our economy operates, right? In a really mm. fundamental sense. I fucking love the British government. They're just like, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure, like, I've not looked in too much to what they're doing over at Barcap, but like, I was in JPJ House with Hugo, and I'm pretty sure he's got it under control. So let's not worry about whether we've learned any lessons whatsoever from the financial crisis. I know it seems like nothing's changed, but I'm sure they said they were sorry, so I'm sure it's going to be fine. Okay, great. Now, how much are we getting for all of these council parks that we're selling? <laughs> I mean, the pro- the problem is that's that's not, not really a joke. That's just true. That, that, that is almost. Yeah, that, 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 I mean, you know, yeah. you're taking a piss, but like this is how the decisions play out, right? That that is literally how the, how the thing ends up working. It's like, what can we do to uh, keep basically financial services pretty much exactly as they are and provide everything for them? Why is it you get big infrastructure? decisions on like you know let's build some stuff to make the economy work better for people okay fine let's do that what are the list of priorities for this yeah. government over the last few years it is uh, do as much as you can in in london the southeast like yeah. to a huge extent why because they, it's good for the city and that's going to be good for the rest of us in some weird mm-hmm. sense yeah uh, maybe under new labor it sort of was good for the rest of us in the sense that you could tax mm-hmm. what was happening in the city of london uh, and spend some of that in the rest of the country yeah. what's happened in the last like, eight years or so is that, is that this hasn't happened we're all paying for this because that's what austerity means. So, so in other words, like this is this is how the decision making process ends up working. Mm. So it's not just like let's spend a bit more money. If you want to like change how the economy operates, you have to rewire how that decision making process ta- takes mm. place. You have to go to the treasury, get hold of the green book, which details how you're going to make investment decisions, how you're going to make public spending decisions, rewrite the damn. Thing. I thought it detailed how a nice Italian man learned that black people were okay after all. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the third political. Theme. Theory of, of Muammar Gaddafi, obviously. Oh, okay. Um, but now that would be a Hollywood film to watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's look, we say these these rules are create have been created in such a way, right, where the recovery of from the um, financial crisis has largely redounded to the benefit of the already super wealthy, right? Because when you privatize things, you privatize it in such a way that those who are able to capture it will capture it, and so again, I. At the risk of almost forcing a circular structure on us, this goes back to how someone can just sort of trip and fall into being the world's youngest billionaire. But at the same time, someone like Jeff Bezos can um, can can sort of pounce on all of these existing public infrastructures that have been built up, but that they're no, we're no longer interested in maintaining. That can li- exist in this crisis of low pay and just take advantage of like weakening trade unions and stuff to just sort of also trip over their own dicks and make themselves a billionaire in just a much more ruthless and exploitative way, right? And so that it, it, that all of this is basically connected. We have made a series of choices that have said we'd rather. Um, we'd rather like Kylie Jenner gets rich enough that she can build her own space station. Um, the than- international babe station, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean we, we kind of we kind of know that like the other conclusion of this is that one of these like Zoella Zoella's going to build an Evangelion, right? <laughs> like I feel like that's the only conclusion that comes from this. Versus Kylie. <laughs> or like Cardi B like builds a Gundam. Like I don't know if something's going to happen. And everyone's going to be like... Sophie's very pleased at that idea. She's very on board with Cardi B having a gun. I I, I would like to welcome Sophie to Trash Future Hi, Sophie. Thank you for the Um, facts about Plymouth. So you now have to take a shower with the communal towel. 
Yeah. What? Um, <laughs> this, is, this is how you get inaugurated into the trash future law, right? Yeah, you get now, you didn't tell me this. Bear in, bear in mind. That's what, that's what, that's what yeah. the towel's for. Yeah. Bear in mind, you don't you don't dry yourself with the communal towel. You take a shower with the communal towel. <laughs> the towel gets entirely wet. <laughs> right, but so bring it bring it back down to a, down to austerity, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just it's a clear set of choices with with clear winners and losers. And the winners are, you know, Kylie <laughs> and Bezos. My friend, they're easy to see. Yeah. Okay. And Donald Trump and shit. Like this is just who we've decided we want to enrich at the expense of everyone. So, I'm going to take it to one more just profoundly stupid conclusion about seeing the world this way. I had to read this and I was really upset that I had to read it. We know it's coming. We all know know it's coming. Unfortunately, all of these things we've described, like the actual workings of the real economy that are based on like, you know, politics and power and the decisions people make. Unfortunately, none of them are actually okay to think. I'm sorry, guys. Is this going to be a quote from Busy Town? (laughs) (laughs) You have about the intellectual weight as a quote from Busy Town. It's from an article in the Financial Times by John McTernan. About how to make a cake. One of the... One of the most in t- that's from Lazy Town, not Busy Town. Oh well, damn you it. got your wrong dumb internet thing. I also love the love the surname McTurnin. Like his ancestor was an Irishman who handed people over to the cops. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mm, again, I mean, he was one of the main strategists under Blair. Like he probably was indirectly involved in the ruining of tons of people's lives. I was going around Belfast looking, <laughs> looking for any person I could hand over to the cops. I mean, they invented the ASBO, right? Like, anyway, um, so John McTurnan writes of seeing the economy in this way of having clear winners and losers and establishing enemies. Rhetoric about the 1% and economic inequality have the same underlying theme. A small group of very rich people who cleverly manipulate others to defend their interest. So anti-capitalism masks and normalizes anti-Semitism. This is such a fucking normal opinion. Honestly, I like I I I lost my shitting mind. Like because literally, what he's saying is, oh, like criticizing the wealthiest people in the world is the same as anti-Semitism. Because I believe that all the richest people in the world are Jews, and somehow you are the anti-Semite. Yes, a very fucking normal man with very fucking normal ideas, who's definitely not himself a massive closet anti-Semite. Well, it's like yeah, it's like Kylie. Yeah, Kylie Jenner. Oh, you can't criticize like you can't criticize the way in which she's become a billionaire because that would be anti-Semitic somehow. <laughs> she's stealing Jewish valor by making money. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it is it is complete nonsense that we are afraid to talk about the economy in oppositional terms, right? Well, it, it was. I mean, God, the, the the levels of stupidity involved in, in that John McTernan thing are, are quite intense. Wait, so you have like, to be more specific, because if you're saying the levels of stupidity involved in that John McTernan thing could be a bunch of things. The, 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 the idea that anti-capitalism is, in fact, anti-Semitism is particularly stupid and offensive for the reasons Milo just gave, because like the implied equation you're making between capitalism and Jews here is massively anti-Semitic and is not obviously something to be in any way thought of as a... As a clever way to talk about capitalism or any issue that we face. It's also like just a very British thing to like, this has been a theme for this week, hasn't it? Like British people who like have been so desperate to prove that they're not racist, but have ended up being even more racist doing so. Like Amber (laughs) Rudd. Amber Rudd. (laughs) Amber Rudd. What did Amber Rudd actually say? So I was in brain prison. I didn't actually see this one. (laughs) 
<laughs> she called um, Diane Abbott colored. Oh no! <laughs> but, she, but she was doing it to make a point about like. Sorry, Andy, you my nat. What is going on? You're a professional politician. Damn, you're sounding like James O'Brien, there, baby. <laughs> Sorry, you. You is a professional politician. Uh, there was there was someone else as well who like was it Andrea Ledsom? Andrea oh, Ledsom yeah. had like made some comment about how like. Uh, Tory party Islamophobia and she like referred sure, to like Muslims in Britain office, as like yeah. refer to it as the foreign office and it's just like everyone's just doing really well today guys yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pulled yeah. away from her phrenology but textbook it, <laughs> but it's like the most British thing to like try to prove you're not racist and end up becoming more racist than you were well, it's, when you stopped before you it, started every mm. British person has like a core of Brendan O'Neill somewhere in them <laughs> That's just waiting to come out. <laughs> I was going around Parliament looking for any. <laughs> God, you really are milking the Neeson thing. Yeah. <laughs> right, but okay. But the idea that it's impossible because you know what this is? This is this is pure third wayism. This is just free based third wayism, which is that, whoa. Don't say anything bad about anyone. The only way the the we can actually sell a, a, a a policy package is if we say it's going to make everybody better off, including the richest person in history. Basically, oh, I think that's being generous to it. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's just it, the, the, the look. The, the issue here is is the thing I was sort of talking about earlier, which is a, that zero sum game business. Right, the economy isn't working very well. It's really obviously not working well for most people, and yet some people are doing doing very mm. well out of it, right? Mm. This is what all the figures tell you. And if people have an interpretation of that, which is broadly, I am not doing well because these people at the top, like the top 1%, the top 0.1% are doing really well indeed, that interpretation is not completely wrong. The issue for the left is to make sure that interpretation is progressive. It's not to say don't have that interpretation mm. at all, right? Mm. If you feel that the economy isn't working for you, and other people, it is working for the top 0.1%, and that, by the way, is uh, these are the very richest of the rich, Right, right at the top of the society. If you think that is the case, you have broadly a, 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 the correct understanding of society. The issue for the left is to make sure that this is a progressive understanding. Because it's not like if we just say, oh, we're not going to talk about not liking capitalism, we're not going to talk about any sort of meaningful oppositional politics. The danger is that somebody else does turn up with another form of oppositional yeah. politics, which would be blaming. Uh, It'd be like classism. nativism, yeah, exactly. exactly. So thing, you yeah. blame migrants, right? You blame Romanians, Bulgarians, whatever it might be. They're taking all this stuff. That's why you're bad. Romaniacs. <laughs> when you said, when you made your joke earlier about that, I literally thought you were saying the Romanians, like you were saying, like like the Romanians, like the like the people who voted Romanian have become their own nationality. Oh, we need to go. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, idea, idea, copyright, copyright. No one listening can take it. Can we do a parody episode called the <laughs> the Romaniacs? And it's just about how much we you just like Romaniacs. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so 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 what does what do so what do we think like the the best kind of progressive version of this politics looks like like if you could say like this this politics of agonism that's a that's a, another big word um the, the politics there i think is cuz you have to get to this kind of systemic criticism st- systemic critique right simply saying there is a 0.1% they're rich or not 
is some of the way, but it's not all of it. The systemic criticism criticism comes in in thinking through how we grab hold of the structures of society and change them. Uh, and you need to find a way to talk about that in a way that makes sense to, to most people. Mm-hmm. Like the key bit for the left in this country is how do we get to the point where saying we want to change the structures of how the economy operates is actually something you can plausibly put in a manifesto and talk about on the doorstep. Right? Mm-hmm. That, that, how do we make that happen? So, for instance, the Inclusive Ownership Fund is one version of that, right? This is the, we're going to get end up with 10% of large companies run by the people who work for them, right? That, that is a thing that the next Labour government will do. That is a, a quite a deep criticism of how we own our companies and how we operate them, big companies. And it's a change in that pattern of ownership and control. And it's something that will deliver directly to you as an employee of those companies, something straight to your pocket, which you get a share of the dividends out of it, right? So in other words, you're taking a kind of structural criticism, systemic criticism, and making turning it into a policy and turning it into a direct thing you can talk about. Do you feel like that is an antidote to like the just bottomless bad faith that you encounter from the, the sort of centrist, center-right media classes? Because it seems like whenever we talk about these sorts of ideas, invariably, it's like, oh, no, that's just going to be hyperinflation like the 1970s. Like It's always these tropes over and over again. But you describing that I feel like even somebody who's not necessarily like politicized can hear that and say, okay, that sounds like it makes sense. Exactly. That's the thing that I want. This is a bit that cuts through it, right? It's like we have a good story to tell about what's happened to the economy mm-hmm. broadly in outline. It's good. What is it we Harry have to- Potter? It, it is- <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to beat Harry Potter. That's what we're coming up against here. Yeah. Uh, oh God. I don't. Do you know what? I don't think I've ever actually read a Harry Potter, but you know, as you may have picked <laughs> yeah, up, I'm not entirely in touch with popular culture. It turns out. Uh, what was his name? Andrew Tate. I don't know Andrew Tate. Yeah. I've never read. Oh, I wouldn't Andrew Tate, Tate was in the Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> Yo, I would like. I would like us to replace Harry someone? Potter and the Order of the Nando's. No, Harry Potter and Treyway. Please, come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, can, can we do a version of Harry Potter where Six Nine is the hero, please? I mean, I guess. Yes, I guess we could do Relatable that. Relatable content. But the bit, yeah. the, bit that, the bit that matters, right? The yeah. bit that matters isn't the story, right? It's funny. You can tell whatever story you want at the end. The bit that matters is what are you going to do? And yeah. does that match up with everything else, right? Which is why, it's a slight aside, but why if you say, for instance, let's make all universities free for everyone, mm-hmm. right? This is a very simple, very clear policy and everyone likes it. I think the Tories always get wrong is, oh, it's just a bribe for, for young people. That's why they all go off and vote Labour. It's nonsense. Most of the people voting wouldn't be affected by this directly, right? People voting for things? Yeah, I know. Wow. I know. Extra- we live in a society. As an aside, it is extraordinary that people might vote for things where it might actually yeah. benefit them. Yeah, but the real good. reason I think it's important is that it tells it tells itself a story about what kind of government you're going to be, right? It's a, it's a, it's a simple, clear thing. All universities are going to be free. This incredibly yeah. expensive, 27,000 down to there, then uh, some pounds uh, in total to try and get a degree, that's gone. So you're going to get this thing for free. And the kind of government will be is one where we think that's a good idea. Right. So in other words, mm. it tells the policy is going to do something and you fit into a wider story. That's the sort of stuff we have to get to. And the ultimate power, I think, of that narrative is that what we're saying is if we can sell that as we are keeping these things for ourselves rather than just constantly shoveling them away to billionaires because the Tories want to make us a, a society of subs, um, then that is what's going to be powerful, is that we mm. are actually going to keep these things that we have built together. Yeah. And I think that is, that's why there is so much momentum behind, behind the left in this country now, mm. because we, I think we have felt that this is something we want to keep.
a huge shout out to I think it was an analyst at Merrill Lynch who wrote in a report at like last year analyzing the financial figures of I think American Airlines. Uh, as ever, labor is paid first and shareholders are left with the leftovers. It's like fucking yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, damn, damn fucking right. <laughs> like, like, congratulations on radicalizing people who read the Wall Street Journal. That's a fucking, like, you've managed. To- no one has managed to fucking lay out a better critique of capitalism than some fucking rube who did it accidentally. Like, it's literally like if you made if you made a film in the style of Robin Williams' Flubber about a guy who accidentally invents communism. <laughs> and it's still like somehow able to like you know play basketball really well. <laughs> yeah. Damn fucking right! Isn't that just space jump? Damn, white men can jump. <laughs> All right. I think now it just falls to me to say, James, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for being on. This is really great. This is really, yeah, this is really, really informative. And uh, we are going to be at Bristol Transformed, along with James, in fact. Maybe not the same yeah, stage. Separate rooms. This separate time, rooms. Think, you know, but yeah. we're all going to be- masturbating, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. We're going to be, no, we're going to be the, uh, the adults only bit of Bristol Transformed. After dark. You can finally, if you wanted to see the, the trash boys all use the same towel in the shower, you can. Oh yeah. Uh, no, we're going to be doing an episode live at Bristol Transformed. Um, the location, uh, it's going to be at eight o'clock on Friday. The location is, I don't remember, but we'll, when we do put this out, we'll have it in the description. Tomorrow, I have got a smoke comedy on at the Seckford. Uh, the headliner is Tanya Edwards, who's extremely good. Please come, because so far I've sold not enough tickets. Uh, so if you really like to watch me go off about shit like billionaires and people who work at Merrill Lynch, come to that. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got a Patreon. If you want a second episode of this per week, you can subscribe to it. Uh, it's five bucks a month and the links in the description otherwise buy a t-shirt buy a mug buy all that shit we want to be kylie jenner make us kylie jenner we all want to be one collective kylie jenner we have a trash future deodorant which is just really (laughs) the smell of the the shit the shit smell in the old room it's the shit smell in the old room combined with the good dude musk in the new room you'd actually have slightly fewer employees (laughs) slightly (laughs) slightly fewer employees there's there's four of us here that's three fewer than kylie jenner's company yeah yeah. We're more efficient. That's just yeah, how exactly. it works. We know there's we, six of us in this room. We're literally, we're one below Kylie Jenner's company. And then Olga just bursts oh, in. Oh, there's, I, think, I think you said there are never six of us in this room. No, I and I was like, Milo, look them. behind you. Sorry, there is six of us in this <laughs> room. <laughs> more, more importantly, there's five guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> any more, any more, some weird shit could go down. But there's, there's, but there's, one, there's one girl to keep a lid on all of it. Right. Yeah, right. that's what we need. Just, that's, my, that's my that's my parting like take for the listeners. <laughs> take more, the listeners. More than five guys, some weird shit will go down. Yeah. Stick to business. Stick to mm-hmm. business. Five or fewer. Business school. Five. Yeah, it's five or fewer. You make your quarter. You know that's easy. Anyway, our theme song is "Here We Go" by Ginseng. It's on Spotify. You can listen to it early. You can listen to it often. Anyways, enjoy your commuter wherever you're listening to this.